It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. We are moments away from the midnight Eastern time bell ringing of free agent chaos coming upon us. I'm David Locke of Locked On Jazz, and right now I'm joined by Brett Dawson of Locked On Pelicans, Jay King of Locked On Celtics, and Philip Rosenreich of Locked On Magic. And we will see, hopefully we are going to be joined by Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder. He's only got the biggest story of all of us going on here. Uh, Let's start off with you, Philip. Obviously, Durant's the first thing taking place here. What is your early guess uh, on what's going on with with Fred uh, with uh, Kevin Durant and what happens there? Yeah, it, it, I think it looks like he's going to end up staying in Oklahoma City. I've kind of suspected that he'd do the the kind of LeBron James one and one deal and and try and defer his free agency for a summer. But it looks like he's going to go through the process, uh, meet with a bunch of teams. But all reports are indicating that he's going to stay with the Thunder. They had a productive meeting today. They'll get the last word with him. Uh, before the weekend, and then he'll sit on things. And, and Woj is saying on his show right now that that uh, they'll get they might have something done by Monday. He might have a decision by Monday. But it's obvious Durant's a max guy, uh, and so it's just really about what he wants. And, and I think staying in Oklahoma City makes a lot of sense for him, both financially and competitively, with with how close they got to the to the finals this year. Jay, you've got Boston sitting there as locked on Celtics. So much focus on Ainge, their quest to get Durant. What is plan B if they don't get Durant? I think they would still like to go after Al Horford, uh, Dwight Howard for the right price. But I, I think if, if they strike out on Durant, that they might just push the flexibility over to next season. And, you know, next year, it's Stephen Curry, Russell Westbrook, uh, Blake Griffin. A lot of guys are entering free agency next year. It could be an absolutely loaded class. So pushing pushing back that flexibility another year and having the Brooklyn Nets 2017 pick swap, which could result in a top five pick in what is supposed to be a really, really good draft from all the people I've talked to. Uh, th- that's not the worst option. Obviously, they're dreaming big right now, but the, the chances of, of luring Durant, somebody else like that, are small. And, you know, Danny Ainge, he'll keep looking for that trade target. You know, J- Jimmy Butler's still out there. DeMarcus Cousins, that that could be a possibility. He's, he's been a name talked about for a long time. Uh, but I, I do think the most likely thing is just, just pushing that cap space to next year and giving it another run at, at some of those top guys. We have hit midnight. Uh, the word I have, by the way, uh, is that many, many deals are going to be close to done. That's what I'm hearing from people around the league. We'll talk about the concept of these deals every, and the money and all those things. Uh, so let's see what happens uh, as it starts to fall. But let's go with the Pelicans' end of things. Uh, Brett Dawson, Anthony Davis is their big piece, and things kind of fell apart last year. Do we expect anything major out of the Pelicans? I don't hear their names much. Uh 
They have some interesting piece in Eric Gordon's a free agent who's going to be out there on the market tonight. Uh, Tyreek Evans is a trade piece. What's your feeling on what happens involving the Pelicans? Well, I think they'd love to do something major. I think they'd love to make a splash, but I don't know that that's really a possible thing at this point. Um, you know, they, they've got enough. They don't have enough right now to make a max offer to really anybody. They can clear up enough to make a max offer to, say, Chandler Parsons. Uh, I think they'd love to be involved there, but I don't think it's uh, that there's a legitimate involvement. Uh, they'd love to get in on Kent Bazemore. They really, really like Solomon Hill. There, there are some pieces out there that they'd like to get. Their problem is they're coming off a really bad season. Uh, there's not a ton of momentum. They don't have a ton of space, and they have a lot of holes to fill. And the guys they want, the things they want to do, two-way wings, guys that make three-pointers, create plays and defend, everybody wants those guys. So they're really uh, probably going to be in a position where they're on their plan B guys, and, and for them, I don't know what level of guy is their plan B guy. Uh, let's talk about two things about the market as a whole As uh, here. First off, there's a ton of center. It's a market free agency of a ton of centers while the league is going away from them, while the league's going to wing players, and there just aren't very many very good wing players. And, and particularly when you look at the free agent wings, I think all of them are going to stay. That's what makes this incredibly interesting to me is you start looking at those uh, players, you know, they're, they're Bradley Beal, Evan Fournier, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, most of these DeMar DeRozan, I think those five biggest wings are likely to all stay, which means immediately you're into Tier 2 and Tier 3 players are going to be getting absurd absurd amounts of money. And Fred Katz now joins us from Locked on Thunder. And so let's just go right there, Fred. You'll have the lead story for the next five days. What is your thought on how this all plays out with Kevin Durant? I think he's coming back. Uh, hey guys, also thanks for thanks for. Uh, sorry about the internet issues we was just having, but uh, I, I think he's coming back. The one in one deal where he takes the one year with a player option on the second year, it just seems to make too much sense, both from a, a fiscal and an emotional standpoint. He can make a decision with Russell Westbrook in 2017, who's a free agent. Then also, if he takes that one year deal, he can maximize the amount of money that he can make. He's almost certainly getting a max contract next year almost no matter what happens in the final in the following year and and it also takes away the, some of the pressure i think if he and russ become a free agent at the same time and then russell westbrook leaves for per se in in 2017 all of a sudden durant's not as bad of a guy or, or looked at as as much of an enemy by the okc fan base because he left it's more excusable in that sense so i think it takes off pressure it gets him more money it makes the decision a little bit easier i mean it just, it just makes sense all around. It still gives him a great chance to win coming back. Uh, it just makes the most sense that he signs that one-and-one. One. I know people around the league, uh, both in the know and just ones who know what they're talking about and aren't necessarily in Durant's camp, everyone seems to think that the one-and-one one is by far the most likely scenario, and, and I would be surprised at this point if we saw anything other than that. News as uh, it comes across the wire or the Twitter, as we the wire I'm so old. Uh, the Twitter is <laughs> we try to uh, tell you about the Rockets are meeting with Kent Bazemore tonight. Uh, James Harden is attending that meeting. Uh, I talked to a team today who wanted to have a meeting with Solomon Hill tonight, and he was already busy. That might sum up how nuts this free agency could be if the fact that Solomon Hill has midnight meetings. Uh, the Clippers officials met with Austin Rivers Thursday in Orlando. I don't know. Is that, like, is that according to Woj, is that 
like docks at high over breakfast or I don't probably know. they probably they probably played nine holes in Interlochen in Winter Park. Right. That's that's usually that's usually what Doc does during the off season. That's right. Uh, Austin Rivers is supposed to talk to the Knicks and possibly uh, Portland. I think there's a misnomer going on here, and and Jay, I want your thoughts on this. Uh, everyone's talking about there's just so much money, there's so much money. Everybody I've talked to, GMs in the league, they still think that the league is going to be two to three max contracts on a roster. And well, Jay just dropped, so we'll go to Brett on this of locked on uh, Pelicans. Uh, Brett, the, everyone's saying, hey, wait a sec, you're going to have two or three max contracts, and you're still going to fill out 20, 30% of your, uh, or 20, 30 million out of the final, you know, 12, 10 roster spots. And that this means that bad contracts are still going to be bad contracts. And I feel like that's being lost in all of this. Well, I mean, if you look at the percentage of the cap, obviously those contracts are going to be better looking in terms of just the amount of space you have. And, um, you know, uh, uh, but I agree in the sense that like a contract like Omer Oshik's in New Orleans is a bad contract, even when it takes up a smaller percentage of the cap. You've still overpaid for a guy who's not playing for you, who's not contributing to the level that you want him to, unless he gets healthy and turns some things around. But if he's the player he was last year, that contract is still a bad contract, even as it takes up a lot less space. It's interesting in talking to people. I mean, some, some people have told me, that you're still going to see those the the big contracts the the guys at the top are still going to get paid like the guys at the top and in a lot of ways the guys at the bottom are still going to get paid the guy like the guys at the bottom what's going to happen here is you're going to have the middle class really explode in these next two years and and particularly in this offseason and i think that's disastrous now chase rejoined us last year tier four centers got 10 million and they were all bad deals and now they're going to get fourteen, fifteen. I've heard Miles Plumley is like negotiating a fifteen million dollar deal. You know what? You're still going to be able to get the Jeff Withies of the world for the minimum, but that minimum contract is going to be a million times better than it ever was because the other guy's making fifteen, and you're still making a million. I, I, I maybe I'm the only one here. I think these some of these contracts, everyone's just justifying it because it's. Uh, 15% up from last. I think they're going to be disastrous. Jay, what's your thought? Yeah, there, there's a report right now that Joe Kim Noah and the New York Knicks are working on a deal worth four years, 70 million plus, which which is just mind boggling. Obviously, Joe Kim Noah has been a very good player in the past, but he, he's coming off a bad year where he was really a zero on offense. And to give him four years at that money, it's it's crazy to me, and there are going to be a lot of deals like that. And as you said, there are still going to be those minimum guys out there, and and those deals and, and the rookie contracts are just going to be so much more valuable because of what's going on with the middle class and, and how much money they're going to going to make. I've heard Matt Delavadova could could make ten plus million dollars. I've heard Tyler Johnson could make ten plus million dollars. It's going to be a crazy crazy market. But Fred, let's go. Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder. Let's go back to that. If, if you're still maxing out two or three of your best players and those guys, because they're at percentages of the cap, are going to still take – the cap's 94, so you're going to be at 100, 105 without, before you hit luxury tax. But those three guys are taking 60, 70 million. You can't pay Matthew Delvadova $12 million. You can't do it. It's bad. It doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're – we need to focus on right now in terms of in terms of money and contracts i honestly think the most important thing right now is not necessarily average annual value which is how we tend to talk about contracts that's the usual lingo we talk about how you know serge Ibaka makes 
$12 million a year. But I think in reality, especially with this year's contracts, especially with the, the cap making a jump again next year, I think the more important way to talk about it is on a Honestly, years. I think years are going to kill you more than average annual value. I think if the Knicks were going to give Joakim Noah, you know, a one in one, which was 18 million in the first year and a player option for 18 million in 2017, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, look, you're trading away a legitimate center asset and Robin Lopez to bring over Joakim Noah for more money. He's not as good of a player as Robin Lopez is right now. But at the same time, I don't think those short contracts are really going to kill you. In my mind, it's it's the four years that's really going to kill you down the line. I don't mind the the one or two year rentals because they're not gonna they're not gonna handicap you down the line. It's just the four years that that really kill me in that sense. One of the most interesting stories, Philip, of Locked On Magic. I think you're a part of it, by the way. Reports right now that the Lakers Mitch Kupchak reached out to Timothy Mozgov at twelve oh one. I'm sure that's what all Laker fans were dying to hear. Uh, Philip, uh, like the legacy of centers, right there. That's right, uh, Philip. I think one of the most interesting stories right now is the fact that uh, the Ma- oh, we have our first signing. Let's get a reaction. Sources tell ESPN that the Mavericks and Hassan Whiteside have agreed to a five-year, $130 million max contract with a player option after four. I'll tell you, uh, it'll be interesting to hear the other two Western, co- Western Conference guys uh, as a Western Conference guy here is locked on jazz. Biggest nightmare for me is Mike Conley and Hassan Whiteside go to Dallas and they suddenly rebuild this thing with those two guys. But Hassan Whiteside, I'm not sure I trust him at all. Five year, 130, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's, that's what it costs. I mean, he's, he can obviously put up put up numbers um, and, he, and he did that in Miami during the playoffs and then throughout, his, throughout the season. Uh, but I mean, I think the big question with him is, is what does he do now that he has the money? Does he still have that same drive to prove everyone wrong? I mean, it's, it's a problem of more issue. And I think you're going to see that with a few of these guys that you start throwing money around at, but that's the market. He was, you know, outside of Al Horford, he's probably the best center on the market. And if that's what it costs to get him, that's what it costs to get him. And Dallas has been after a big name free agent for a while now. They'll probably keep Dirk for what, two, three more years, however long Dirk still wants to play. and, And that's, going to be the basis of their of their new core i guess that's that's a fake report right uh, i don't think he, so he he can't get five years from dallas can he he can't get five years from dallas that is, is, a, fake is that a fake report chuck cooperstein we, then chuck cooper we just got hit uh chuck Coop, we just I, got hit by Woj! what's the Woj bomb <laughs> no 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 i'm, I'm shouting oh. Woj like on Oh, is that a fake report <laughs> am, I, am, I, am i really am i really the one that's making that's making wrath of con jokes Oh yes, this yeah. is that is a fake report because that Stein follower only has one thousand six hundred and twenty six followers, and my guy Chuck Cooperstein just tweeted out, "I got faked." Damn it! Uh, I guess uh, Chuck was fired up for that one. <laughs> so, well, that makes it that at least makes a little more makes me pleased on that one. Uh, and you're right. He, tell, explain, uh, Fred. I think you were the one who pointed it out. Explain who can get five and who can get four, so everybody gets that. Oh, I I actually wasn't the one who pointed it out. I'm not sure who did point it out, but basically you're you're going back to for for the most casual sense, you're going back to the same team. You get five. Whiteside's not eligible for four with uh, or for five with with uh, Dallas. He can only get five from from Miami if he signs for for their available cap space. Zach Lowe has just tweeted out that uh, Kent Bazemore's agent is expecting between 19 and 20 million per season. Hey, I mean, Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters wants fifteen. I mean, this is 
this is getting crazy. It's what's what's amazing is it all starts with the baseline contracts, and and the contracts last year were 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 so high. Like I think the craziest numbers are what we're going to see for backup centers. Honestly, like at least Bazemore is a solid wing defender who you know can give you capable starting minutes. Like the backup centers when they're making eight figures is just going to be a crazy thing to see. So last year, if you look at the centers, tier one got max, tier two got max, tier three got thirteen a year. So that's 17 this year. That's Joe Akeem Noah. That's exactly what they're talking about. Here's the crazy one. Tier 4 centers last year in my free agency thing got $10 million a year. You ready for what that group is right now? Because that's 14 this year. That group is Mo Spates, Roy Hibbert, Miles Plumley, Cole Aldridge, Timothy Mozgov, uh, Robert Sacre, if maybe, and Jordan Hill, maybe. Could you imagine any of those guys getting that? Probably not the max for any – Not probably not the max for any of those guys. And, I mean, I think something we're going to see that could be interesting with the centers especially is, is how much has the center position changed? Um, you know, are those guys still val- still valuable in the same way, especially with the money going up? I mean, I think there, there will be a run on centers and teams will be desperate to bring in centers, but – you know, I don't think necessarily it's going to be the biggest priority for a lot of teams uh, in some way because they could probably get away with playing a, a more physical four at a guy that you would think is a more physical four or traditional four even at the five more and more as this league tends to tends to go faster and smaller. All right, let's uh, let's play a little game here. We have Brett Dawson locked on Pelicans, Fred Katz locked on Thunder, Jay King locked on Celtics, and Philip Rosemanreich locked on Magic. I'm David Locke locked on Jazz. Uh, by the way, Courtney Lee's first call after free agency started was from New York Knicks' Phil Jackson, according to Alex Kennedy. All right, I- I'm going to run through the free agents, the main tier, top tier, one or two free agents. I want, I'm going to say a name. You tell me when you have the first guy you think is going to switch teams. Okay? Andre Drummond. Al Horford. I, I think Al Horford's leaving Atlanta. Yeah, me too. Where do we think he's going? I think I think he ends up in Boston. Jay, do you buy that? I wouldn't be su- yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does. I'll, I'll go Boston with him. Interesting. Uh, and Jay, you tweeted out earlier tonight, you think it's a good move by Boston because it sets the stage for next year? To go after Horford? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think getting Horford helps you uh, – attract somebody else uh I, I think there's a chance that on the back end of his contract maybe you know it, it's it's a worse value than you would hope but for for the time being he, he's an upgrade in the front court he he's a, an all-star type of player that that other guys look to as as someone who, who they would like to play with uh and he seems like like a really good teammate a really good guy he would fit the culture really well uh so i, I would be surprised if if they don't go after him really hard, I, I know that they are planning on, on chasing him. And Isaiah Thomas has been texting him, try, trying to get a gauge on, on how, how much he likes the Celtics. And, yeah, they, they will go after Robert. And I do think that's a good idea, uh, even if they don't get Durant or somebody else. That, that's that superstar they still need. Uh, I, I do think that will help them in, in the long term if, if they get somebody like Horford. Fred, Cats uh, locked on Thunder. There's been talk that the, the Thunder are trying to get involved in the Al Horford discussion. 
Yeah, yeah, I think they are. Uh, at the same time, I I think they they love Horford's game. He obviously played for Billy Donovan when he was at Florida, so there's that connection. Uh, I just I, I've gone through it a gazillion times to try to see how it would work, and I just don't necessarily see how it could happen. I mean, look, they'd have to probably get rid of Singler and Cantor. And there are a lot of teams that have open space that you could trade Canner and Singler into. But I think you have to give up a sweetener in order for somebody to take Canner's contract. He's got about $57 million in three years left on that deal. And considering the way that he defends, there just aren't a lot of people who, who think of that as a good deal. I think if you talk to people around the league, that's one of the first contracts that comes up when you talk about the worst contracts in, in the league. Um, and, and I think they'd have to give up an asset. And I don't know what assets they have, you know, maybe. Maybe Sabonis. Their 2018 pick is already going to Utah because they gave that up in the Canner deal to acquire him last season. So they couldn't trade a first round pick until 2020. So they have to give up Sabonis and a 2020 pick maybe um, in order to get rid of those two contracts just to kind of grease the deal. Uh, I'm not sure if that would be viable. Maybe a team with space that needs a big like Portland who signed him to the offer sheet last year does it. Um, I would just be surprised if they were able to open up that space to begin with. Um, and uh, yeah, I just. It's possible. I just I wouldn't predict it. By the way, I think it's actually only appropriate that we got uh, hoaxed, or I got hoaxed. I'll take it. I got hoaxed by the Chuck Cooperstein retweet because David Aldridge just re- retweeted the fake report saying that is fast, and since he's probably one of the three most uh, well-known reporters around, uh, it, it probably is going to be the signature of the midnight madness is that the only thing that happened was a fake report. I mean... It, it, uh, a friend of mine from Hardwood Proxism, David Wurzberger, notes J.A. Donde and Mark Spears also retweeted yes. the fake, the fake sign tweet. So everyone is getting is getting hit on this. So I got hit on it, and it's probably only appropriate that this base, for all we know, our free agent madness, Brett, is going to be just simply ta- uh, the fact that there was this fake account that got everybody's uh, action here in the first 30 minutes when we were expecting. I mean, I talked to people who really felt deals were just going to fall uh, moment by the moment here uh, along the way. Uh, and, and, and maybe they will here shortly, but it, it doesn't seem as though that's the early feeling. Brett Dawson, Locked on Pelicans. What's your feeling on Harrison Barnes, Chandler Parsons, Nicholas Batum, and that collection of uh, Tier 2 small forwards? First of all, let me say that I would read a story. It would be a hard story to write. I would read a story about the culture of these guys who make the fake accounts because I'm fascinated by what possesses people to do it. So I I would read that story if somebody wants to write it. Well, Um, whoever made this one is loving it. Yeah, I'm sure he's having a good, good night tonight. Um, you know, I, I, my guess is all three of those guys are staying put. I, I, you know, I'm almost surprised Batum has taken some of the meetings that he's taken. I, I think he's going to meet with Dallas. Uh, every indication I've talked to some people who had uh, kind of had some back channel discussion there and really thought that he was going to stay put. He made some comments about how much he enjoyed playing for Steve Clifford. Uh, I think Charlotte has been really good for him. And obviously he's a piece that a lot of teams would love to get. Um, you said Parsons. I don't think Parsons is going to stay put. I'm sorry. Uh, but but I, I do think Batum is, is staying there, and I, and I think Barnes is going to end up in Golden State because I don't think they're going to get Durant, and I don't see a reason to let him go. Are we, is Harrison Barnes, who can't beat anybody off the bounce and is not laterally that quick, really, really going to get the max contract from someone? I would suspect he probably does just because there aren't a lot of max players to go around and there's just a ton of money but yeah i would be really skeptical about handing him that type of money just because 
he has never proven that he's more than what he is. And, and what he is right now is a complimentary player, a solid one for Golden State, which obviously best regular season team of all time. But if you try to turn him into a number one or number two option, all of a sudden, I don't think I don't think he's as efficient. I don't think he's as effective. I would be really skeptical about that deal for for whichever team does it. Anybody? Uh, I'm a GM. I would sign Harrison Barnes for the max deal. I mean, I, again, it, the crazy thing about this, and and when you when you throw the term max guy around, I think I think a picture of a certain player pops in into mind and the reality is the max contract is a function of the market uh, if that's what it costs to, to get get someone and it seems like harrison barnes is going to have a lot of interest and not only that he's a restricted free agent so you've got to overpay or you've got to structure the contract in a way so that the the team that has his rights won't won't match so you got to do something to make sure golden state doesn't say oh that's a nice deal we'll just keep him or whatever the whatever the case may be, um, so it, it's a function of the market. And I think with how many teams are going after him, the fact that he's a restricted free agent, the fact that he's so young, and, and I think a lot of teams still believe in his talent. Um, I think inevitably, that's just what that's just what the cost of getting him is going to be is is bringing him in on a max contract or at least a, a very close to max contract. The thing on this is go back to what we talked about earlier. If you're a max guy, I don't care what you've got to be one of the two best players on your roster. Maybe, maybe a close second as the third best is Harrison Barnes, really the second best or third best player, but only by a smidge on a really good team. I mean, I think that's the big question. I, I know I don't know about about um, the other the other guys here, but I know that's been a big debate among. Uh, among magic people and, and, and magic, at least magic fans and the people and the, and the people I interact with is, you know, is Harrison Barnes, the kind of guy that, you know, I've been kind of using this compa- comparison. Is he the kind of guy like Tracy McGrady, who wasn't much, wasn't much, you know, before he hit free agency, you give him a max contract and he took that next step up from, you know, promising young player to, to superstar or to all-star. Um, and I think that's really the question you have about Harrison Barnes, and it's a question no one knows. You're essentially taking a huge gamble and saying, I believe Harrison Barnes can be the first or second best player on my team. Personally, I don't know if he can be. I mean, I don't think he showed enough assertiveness in Golden State to do that, but at the same time, he didn't have to. So uh, it's, it's, it's a huge debate. It, it's certainly one that I'm sure every fan base, every front office is having as they look at their situations and whether to go after a guy like Barnes. But ultimately he does have value somewhere. I mean, I, I can talk myself into him too with the way he can defend multiple positions and, and hit and hit shots except in the NBA finals. Uh, but I mean, I, I just, I just don't know if it's worth the risk to me if, if I'm a team that doesn't already have a strong culture in place as well as some, some stars already there. All right, our first deal that might be legitimate is Bradley Beal will get the five-year, $128 million max deal from the Washington Wizards. I think one of the more interesting storylines I was going to get to earlier, I didn't get to, uh, and, and, and Fred, or uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, or maybe Brett, your thoughts on this. How many teams a year ago thought they had one plan that have another now, right? I mean, Orlando Phillip, I think, thought they were going to go sign Al Horford and Chandler Parsons. Washington thought they were signing Kevin Durant, so they didn't 
give Bradley Beal the max contract last year. The, uh, let's go to Brett Dawson of Locked On Pelicans. The landscape has truly changed on so many teams. I mean, the Lakers aren't even having a meeting with Durant. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly the Lakers would have expected to be in that mix. I, I suspect that a year ago the Knicks were really hoping they were going to be in the Durant mix. Uh, and, and, you know, unless they can f- claw their way into a meeting, as some people have reported they're, they're trying to do, I, I don't think they're going to be any kind of player for Kevin Durant. Um, you know, I, for the team that I cover, the Pelicans, I don't know that there was a great plan uh, because they, they had – they didn't really expect to have a ton of, of cap space here and kind of expected to uh, have a successful year and run their team back and make some some tweaks here and there. So now they're in a position where they don't have a ton of cap space and they really need to overhaul the team because they're going to lose some free agents. So, yeah, I mean, uh, they, life comes at you fast, as they say. What's anybody got a problem with Bradley Beal at the max? I mean, I think the big concern there is just the injury history. If he can stay healthy, he's he's certainly worth it. I mean, he's a great shooter. He's he's a growing ball handler. He's light years ahead as you know, pick and roll distributor. You know, now than he was you know, even just two years ago. It's it's the injury stuff, right? I mean, if he if he can stay on the court, he's he's going to be one of the best shooting guards in the league. It's twenty five percent of his games he's missed in his career. It's a lot. Yeah, and and there's there's that whole thing like about more the. Too. The minutes limit at a, as a 23-year-old, that that scares the crap out of me. And there's the other aspect. I like him, frankly. He's one of the few players that I think if I was a team, I might have tried to go steal him away. I mean, I, I do like him. I think if you draft him third and you're Washington, you can't give up on him, so you probably have no choice on this deal. But, I mean, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't assist. And he's just a shoot. He's just been a shooter. He, frankly, hasn't been that good yet. I mean, I, I think he's still coming around but because he's crazy young. But, no, there's a... There's a real question mark there on on what they just signed up for. Probably had no choice. This one I would probably agree with on the no choice category more than anyone else. Do you worry about like how John Wall look I know this is the way the the salary cap works, right? And the the cap has gone up and this guy's contract can be more valuable, but do you worry about how John Wall takes Brad Beal making that much more money than him because it's a lot. It's a huge difference. Well, I think there's two things uh that I think really, really jump out here, and I want to get all your guys' thoughts on this. One is the locker room impact of these, but I also think the other one is the coach's impact. You go sign a guy like Kent Bazemore for $18, $19 million, like people are talking about, there's nights where there's probably a guy on your bench that's better than Kent Bazemore. He's not that good. But can a coach put a guy who just signed for 18 or $20 million on a bench? I mean, so, yeah, let's run through it. Let's go – let's start uh, – Let's start left to right on my screen, which does nobody any good. Uh, Brett Dawson, Lockdown Pelicans. What is your thought on impact on coaches and locker rooms that these deals are going to have? Well, you know, for me, uh, there would not be a guy on the bench, uh, on the Pelicans bench better than Kent Bazemore most nights, unless they were bringing Drew Holiday off the bench again. And I'm not sure he's he's better. Yeah, Drew Holiday's better. But, the, you know, yeah, there's some pressure. There would be some pressure to play a guy if you commit that kind of money to him. I think you have to look at the money as a thing that's a product of the cap rising, and you can't think about it too much from a coaching standpoint, but I would worry about the locker room situation. I'd worry about bringing in a guy who, you know, in, in some instances might make considerably more than my franchise player. If he's not, uh, if that guy hasn't gotten out of a rookie deal yet, for example, um, I, I would be concerned because look, we've been around NBA players. It's not like this stuff doesn't matter to them. Fred Katz locked on thunder. Are you with us? Fred Katz locked on thunder. Let's go to Jim. Hi, sorry. That's sorry. Right. Cut out. 
What's your, for a sec, you mind uh, just repeating what what was asked? Sorry, guys. What was what's your feeling on the impact of coaches to having these big contracts? They have to play and locker room on guys reacting to other guys for these kind of deals. Um, you know, I feel like players are are for the most part pretty educated in how the NBA's financial climate works. Um, you know, you might have certain guys, um, you know, particularly individuals who who don't fully get it. But but I guess if if you were talking about Wall and Beal specifically. John Wall's a pretty bright guy, knows how that works. John Wall also just got a new agent, so he could secure a huge shoe contract. So so John Wall is actually still making more money than Beal, I believe, if you include the shoe money also. Um, so 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 I don't know if uh, if that's necessarily the case. And John Wall's gonna get his gonna get his payday when this current contract runs up anyway. Um, I, I don't know if on the whole it's an issue. Maybe with individual guys it would be, but I wouldn't predict it's something that, you know, goes throughout the entire league. Jay King, Locked On Celtics, your thought. We have a uh, deal that's coming down. I'll get you in a second. Jay, uh, Jay King, Locked On Celtics, what's your thought on locker rooms? Of what's that? On locker rooms in regards to these salaries, and also I think the bigger one is coaches and how they're going to have to deal with players that are making this much money. Well, well the Celtics are going to have to deal with that a lot, actually, because Isaiah Thomas will be making less than $7 million next year. Avery Bradley, he'll be making eight. Uh, Jay Crowder, less less than seven. So some of their better players are locked in on contracts that, that were signed in what seems like eight, ages ago. Uh, so if, if, if they go ahead and, and sign somebody, although, although I, I'm not sure they'll sign anybody less than, you know, one of their top targets, whether it's Durant, Horford, uh, maybe, maybe Howard. But, yeah, that – in certain cases, that that can create some friction. Uh, it, it it depends on which players. It depends on which guys, obviously. But yeah, when when somebody who's not as good as you are could be making two or three times as much as you do, that that's that's tough to handle. Even though you you understand why it happened and and that, that you you signed the contract in a different age, it's it, it still hurts. All right, Jay, I'm gonna, uh, Philip, I'm going to skip you. Who was it earlier that said they were interested to see uh, what centers make in this market? That was me. I think it was, yeah. <laughs> that is me as Fred Katz, I assume. Is that what I'm getting? Yes, yes, that is Fred Katz. So dropping third person. The, uh, so we, I talked about how that group made $10 million last year. I had heard earlier tonight that Plumlee was negotiating at 14, and the word out of L.A. is the Lakers and Timothy Mozgov – are nearing a four-year contract for significant money. Like, is Roy Hibbert wasn't good enough to have on the Dinosaur Brigade of Centers last year? Yeah, I mean, and I think the worst thing you can do with this free agency, especially where there's you know so much uncertainty about value, is to give a guy a deal longer than he should get. Because the money's going to be ridiculous one way or another, and, and you got to – and the one thing I, uh, we, we didn't really talk about – is you've got to spend to get to that salary floor. Um, you're, you're going to be spending that money already, so you might as well spend it on players you want. Uh, but So teams are going to have to spend and figure this out. And the, the trick to me is having the flexibility to get out of it or being able to get out of a bad deal because you just didn't understand this market as quickly as possible. So this Mozgov deal is more surprising to me, less for the number, which looks like it's going to be, what, 65? It, the four years is what gets me. Four, that is a long years, time. Sixty-five million for Mozgov. Reactions? 
Yeah, can I can I just contest something that was just said? Um, I hear a lot of people talking about how teams have to get to the salary cap floor, and that's ninety percent of the cap. And with so much cap space, you have to give out money to get there. I don't think teams are worried about that. I, I don't know why that's become a prevailing storyline. There's no penalty for not get for not getting to the salary cap floor. All you have to do is distribute the difference between the salary cap floor and your team salary to the remaining players so you're not paying any any additional money by not getting to the salary cap floor and by giving four years to someone just so you can get to the salary cap floor you're investing money in the three years beyond this year so i don't think teams would care about getting the salary cap floor look philly has gone into the last few seasons like 12 million below the salary cap floor and i realize that's same hanky but like they, there's no penalty for this you can stay below the salary cap floor and just absorb other teams bad contracts throughout the year and and take and take uh and take on draft picks because of it like there's no there's no actual league penalty for being below the salary cap floor well and, and that's and that's and that's really i mean sorry excuse me for butting in here just uh, uh that is true um you know the magic were below the salary floor i think two years ago uh, so there, there really is no penalty for it. Uh, what I, what I think the penalty comes is, uh, like the situation with Philadelphia agents just do not like you. Uh, that's in, true. in that sense, I think, I think, I think that's where it com- where it comes in is you've got you've got issue you've got issues with trying to get free agents in the future, and so it's kind of a good it's kind of a good faith thing that that you you reach this floor and that you show other teams you're spe- you show the league you're you're trying to spend money you're not just sitting on it I, I do think we'll see a lot more teams just kind of sit on their cap this this summer especially with with kind of how weak this free agency class is although certainly teams are going to be willing to spend I, I think that if I'm Orlando if I'm Utah and I have a bunch of young players I just bring them into a room and say guys we're fifteen million dollars under the salary floor we like our roster. We can either bring in another player who steals your minutes or give each you a million. Hope you remember that next year, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it was actually I know an assistant GM for a while who was trying to look at the loophole. He thought actually there was a big enough loophole that he thought he was going to be able to go under the salary floor and distribute the money himself, then only to figure out that the union actually distributes it. And it's not actually clear how it gets distributed, whether it gets distributed equally to every player or it gets one percentage of salary. So in in some people, I think it's equal to every player. But for a while there, people thought that maybe your best players were actually going to get the percentage of what they got, and then they're even more willing to go under the floor. So I think that makes sense. Uh, I agree with, I think it was Fred that said, I don't think the salary cap's um, going to be a big issue. Brett Dawson, Locked on Pelicans, how excited are you that Omir Ashik is no longer the worst contract in the NBA? Is it not still worse, though? It's still a pretty bad contract. I mean, it's... Um, but yeah, I mean, Tim, that's a lot for Timothy Mozgov. If you look at what that's like thirty million dollars more than what Ashik has left on that deal. Uh, that that's a lot of money uh, on Timothy Mozgov. I you know the Pelicans would probably trade those guys, but still. I mean, didn't seriously Roy Hibbert's a dinosaur, right? Roy Hibbert, non-mobile, seven-one shot-blocking rim protector with no outside game, is a dinosaur in this game now. Do we agree? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Why is Moskov not a dinosaur? Because he cares. Okay, that's, <laughs> it, that's one. Um, he has a little. He has a little bit more mobility, I think. Little bit more mobility. That would be the first time ever that Moskov's mobility was given a positive. Yeah, but you know, we're we're talking. We're not talking something too much, but yeah. Right, Fred. You just tweeted out Cold Aldridge is going to make a lot of money this year. Uh, He's going to buy an island. 
I mean, Cole Aldridge, I think I might rather have Cole Aldridge than Timothy Mozgov only because I'm a jazz guy and watched him just destroy us in a game this year. Is that serious? Oh, yeah, that overtime game, that overtime game where Jamal had the game winner. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I mean, Cole, Cole was uh, great, especially in the second half for the Clippers this past year. Uh, he was he was one of the best backup centers in the league. I mean, look, the, the reason I mentioned the backup center contract earlier is because I've talked about this with a few agents and every single one of them independently without me even shading towards bringing it up has said they're using the Aaron Baines contract as the baseline contract. So no backup center is getting less than six and a half million dollars a year. It's not have been. That's the contract that Bain signed with Detroit last year. And basically all of these guys who, who, who I talked to, they all had better years than Aaron Baines did last year. And that Aaron Baines contract last year is being used as the baseline for everything. So, I mean, look, Mozgov is obviously – Baines got like $20 million for three years. Uh, Mozgov is three times that much. So that's a totally different level. But, but like that set a crazy precedent or what, what seems to be and probably isn't anymore because it's – just reality a crazy precedent for backup centers and and now this this kind of stuff is is just like it's it's blowing up because of it okay so the next one that's just come out from Woj is the lake uh is that the uh bla- the blazers are in los angeles talking to chandler parsons for a four-year max offer simultaneously alan crab is number one on the list for brooklyn and for sacramento uh i'm not sure portland can handle a big deal for Alan Crabb and signing Chandler Parsons. How much do we think Chandler Parsons would move the meter on who Portland is? Let's start with Jay King, uh, locked on Celtics. Uh, I mean, he helps them become a better offensive team. They will score a whole lot of points with Chandler Parsons, assuming he's healthy. But who are you going to stop with Damian Lillard and Chandler Parsons on the perimeter? Uh, that That's one, to me, where you got to think about team fit. And, yeah, Parsons is a useful player in, in a lot of ways, especially offensively. But when you have those two guys on the perimeter, I don't, I don't know who you're stopping. And McCollum's not guarding many. McCollum's a really, really good offensive player, but he's also not, not yeah, really it's, it's, it's one-on-one. It's like he's yeah. – uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not sold on the team fit there. And they lose Mo Harkless too, do you think, if they do that? I mean, you would think probably, right? So it just doesn't make sense to me. If if I'm the Blazers, I go after someone like Bazemore and try to get length defense and someone who, who doesn't need the ball offensively. I, I don't go after another offensive-minded player. It just doesn't make as much sense to me. But, you know, everybody's got money, <laughs> and some teams are going to be wanting to use it. Uh, even if there isn't that perfect deal out there. Brett Dawson locked on Pelicans. I'm going back to what I've been harping on all night. You still are only having three max players. So you're Lillard, Parsons, and McCollum. Is that your three? Boy, that's a lot of money to tie up in those three guys. That That's a scary proposition. I, I think Chandler Parsons is, when he's healthy, he's okay defensively. But whew, the, the, the real concern to me is if, if Dallas is – if Dallas is not re-signing Chandler Parsons, how concerned are they about his health? They know more about his health than anybody else. It, it, should that be a worry to people? I, I would just maybe it's a product of having covering a team that having covered a team that missed like 350 games to injury last year. But I'd be real leery of anybody with with any kind of injury history that's that's you know his is not huge, it's not extensive, but it's knees. 
Yeah, I, I will say this though: the the Mavericks they they've, they sometimes err on the side of caution. If you can think back, Steve Nash even they didn't re-sign him because they, they thought his his back was too bad, and obviously they they turned out wrong on that one. He 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 had, he had a pretty good tenure with the Phoenix Suns. If Dallas loses Chandler Parsons and doesn't get Mike Conley, who are they? They are. <laughs> Dirk and a lot of bums. Dirk, Dirk and a lot of bums. Right, so as long as That's they have Rick Carlisle, they'll still win 45 games. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, they're I, the eight seed. One of the things I think is really interesting here is which teams are going to have landscape-changing weeks. Memphis has a chance to have a landscape-changing week, week in a bad direction if they were to lose uh, Mike Conley. Dallas feels like they're on the verge of, if they strike out like they have so many times in free agency, they're on the verge of a landscape changing in the wrong direction. And then you wonder, Chandler Parson goes, Mike's kind of like, Dirk is a free agent. I don't think he'd ever leave, but if there's ever a script where he would, you just got it. Although well, then it's kind of they amazing. might get Whiteside, they could get Conley. They could go the other way, too. Yep. It's kind of amazing the emotional capital that winning a title can get you, right? Like, it's been five years since the Mavs won the title. And basically for the last three or four years, they've been like, you know, the, the 2009 to 2012 Bucks, who we just constantly destroyed for gunning for the eighth seed, right? And and that's – they've basically been the Western Conference equivalent of that the last four years. Um, but but they won they won that title, so so it's all okay still. Um, it's, it's, it's funny how that, that, that changes our perception. Such brilliance that we all just pause to take it in. Uh, <laughs> Philip yeah. Roseman Reich, Locked on Magic, is with us. Jay King, Locked on Celtics. Fred Katz, Locked on Thunder. Brett Dawson, Locked on Pelicans. I'm David Locke of Locked on Jazz. I think we're probably winding down a little bit um, on things. Let me just ask you, let's go with that premise. Anyone out there that you guys feel in four days – is going to be dramatically different as a franchise either direction. Uh, who do you think will be, when we're done with this, will be d- dramatically different as a franchise either direction? Uh, let's start with Philip Rossman Reich of uh, Lockdown Magic. Putting me on the spot first. Uh, you know, I think, I think Atlanta could be drastically different uh, by the end of this week. Um, they're they're pr- it doesn't look like they're going to keep Al Horford. There's there's some thought that they might try and replace him with Dwight Howard and and you know everything that comes with that. Uh, they obviously traded Jeff Teague last week before the draft, so they've got a new point guard in. Um, they could be a very very different team because and and they could lose Kent Bazemore. We talked a lot, talked a lot about him, so they could be a team that comes into next year very very different. Uh, and and they're such a their team that that. The pieces just have to fit together well for them to be successful because they they don't have that kind of runaway top end talent. They're 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 a true team, and we saw last year how you know we saw two years ago how when everything clicks they can be really good, and then last year when everything isn't quite in sync, they're just kind of a you know middle of the road team in the in the East. And losing a, losing a big player like Horford could certainly throw them back and and out of the playoff picture entirely. Uh, so that to the point where they're rebuilding, I, I don't think they're in the running for any any big big name free agents outside of Dwight. With with all the questions he has, I don't know if he's quite quite the big name that you want. Jay King, locked on Celtics franchise. That at the end of this week we will think of completely differently, either positively or negatively. 
I'm going to go with Memphis. I, I think Conley, I, I'm going to guess that he leaves just because he'll have a better chance to win somewhere else. And if he leaves, then all of a sudden you've got an aging roster with very little offensive talent that probably, you know, Marcus Gasol might get traded, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen. Like, there are a lot of changes that are going to go on there if Mike Conley bolts. So I'm going to go with the Grizzlies as, as my favorite to look drastically different at the end of this week. Fred Katz, Locked on Thunder. I mean, I, I think the Bulls kind of already started their unraveling. I'm not sure if that counts, but, you know, Joakim Noah is, is probably going to the Knicks. Rose is already gone. They're, they they fell to 42 wins this year, and it's kind of the end of the Rose era. I also think it's possible Miami. Um, you know, if white sidewalks, Miami can't score another free agent. For all we know, Bosch doesn't even play next year. All of a sudden, they're moving forward with, like, Wade and Dragic, and, and Dragic had a down year last year, and that's it. I mean, this was a good team this past year, and they've got a couple of good young players. But, I mean, they won 48 last year. They could conceivably fall out of the playoff picture if Bosch doesn't play and Whiteside walks elsewhere. And that's not the deepest roster in the league to where they'd be able to make up that many wins. Out of Brett Dawson, locked on Pelicans. Well, I seriously went from my answer was going to be Memphis to my answer was going to be Miami. So uh, this is getting a little bit tough. Um, look, m- maybe not in a week, but I'll, I'll cheat a little. I'll, I'll take Jay's team. I, I, Boston at some point is going to look very different because Boston's just got too much stuff to play with to not change that roster and and, and change what we're looking at as, as a package with that Celtics team. I just think ultimately that's going to have to change in some way, whether that's free agency, whether that's a trade. Boston's got to look different going into next season. Well, yeah, with DeMarcus Cousins as their center, they will. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, isn't that Let's start some rumors out here. Celtics don't get Durant. They don't get Horford. Danny Ainge at some point has got to make a move. He talks himself into DeMarcus Cousins and makes the deal. The, the Kings are trying to trade DeMarcus Cousins. Don't kid yourself on that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're drafted a lot of big men. They could use another young wing like like Jalen Brown. Look, the rosters are lined up for a trade. And look at that. The minute we start talking to Marcus Cousins, our feed goes to hell. I mean, it, the, the negative mojo and impact that he has on things is just incredible. Uh, it, that's what DeMarcus Cousins does. Uh, I, before we leave, guys, I just want to make sure we all understand. We just did an hour-long group Locked On podcast, and the big stories were a fake Hassan Whiteside and, <laughs> and, and Timothy Mozgov and Joakim Noah, frankly, both who were just god-awful last year, have signed $17 million a year contracts. That was the kickoff of the crazy free agency we expected. I'd say this was different than we anticipated. Yeah, j- just a little bit. Good, good old Tim O'Fay, though, saving the night. Brett Dawson locked on Pelicans. Subscribe to him on iTunes. Catch it. Fred Katz is locked on Thunder. Jay King is locked on Celtics. And Philip Rossman Reich is locked on Magic. Guys, thank you very much. We'll do this again sometime soon. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.